Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Impact. I'm your host, Michael Anderson. And before I jump into today's show, let me tell you about something pretty exciting we got going on. I just put on my website a mini virtual workshop all about how to identify your core values. It's something that I get asked about, um, you know, what are values, how do I find them. It's, it's things that I work really, really heavily on with my clients to help them identify. And so I thought it'd be really cool to create, uh, just create a recording of me walking you through an exercise that I do with almost all of my clients to really help them identify and clarify their core values. Um, it, it consistently, clients tell me that this activity is really impactful and, and they, they really love it. And so I want to be able to share that with you. The idea of values-based living really resonates with me and resonates with a lot of people. This, um, this idea that we all have core ways of living and of being that are important to us and knowing our values helps us to clarify our goals, help, helps us to create a vision and a purpose for our life. And, and so it's my passion to help people engage in that process. And so I'm excited to be able to share this, this workshop with you. Uh, I, I'm creating a big online course here in the next few months that will just include values as well as how to work through negative thoughts, anxiety, things like that. So this workshop is just kind of a little precursor to it, but um, I'm really excited to share it. It's $30 on my website. You can check it out in the show notes, or you can visit therapywithmichaelanderson.com. And if you check it out, please, please DM me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Just let me know what your experience is like, and and I would love to, to connect with you over that. But anyways, let's go ahead now and jump into today's show. Let me introduce uh, our guest this week, which is Eva Daniel. Eva has been someone I've followed for a while now on LinkedIn. She is a speech coach, and she spent nearly two decades helping some of the nation's top authors, speakers, pastors, CEOs, leaders, you name it, create and deliver content that has been heard and viewed by millions. Uh, Before starting her own speech company, which which is called The Speak Shop, where she helps uh, she coaches and mentors people to help them really craft their story and really hone it in and help them deliver it in a way that can be impactful. But before she started that, she was actually the senior speechwriter for uh, Dave Ramsey and, and has a wealth of speaking and writing experience, running radio shows, consulting CEOs. I mean, just a ton of experience. So fun to have her on the show. Such a good person and a fun story. So with that, let's go and jump into the interview with Eva Daniel. You know, I was thinking about this, like, what is that, that big lesson? And for me, I think it's really been learn how to tell and live a good story. Mm-hmm. If you're living a good story, learn how to tell it. And mm-hmm. like, it's not enough to just tell stories about all the things you're going to do someday, but actually be living your life. So I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned is like live a good story and then learn how to tell it and share it with the world. So Live, live a good story. What, what do you mean by living? Well, let me back you up in just a second. Cause you said, if do it now, I think is essentially how you said it, right? Like yeah. don't wait to live it, which is a super hard thing to do because we want to, we, I don't know what it is about us psychologically, but we always like push out what we really want to do. And we say, I'll do that next year, or I'll do that in 10 years or five years. So talk to me about what does it mean to you to live your story right now? And how have you done that? We just go there for a second. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think in my own life, I've gotten trapped at times doing the things that are expected, you know, like 
like the expectations of, of just what you're supposed to do, like everything from, you know, where you're supposed to sit in high school cafeterias to where you're supposed to go to college to what you're supposed to do with your summer breaks. And sometimes I think for myself, I've gotten caught up with thinking like, I'm going to give a little tactical example, but yeah. I do not have a cute house. <laughs> Some people just have amazingly well decorated houses, you know, yeah. you know, the top you have friends like this, you walk into their home and everything is just beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And you think, oh, I need to have that. Like I should have a cuter house. Like I should, yeah. I should have, you know, a cuter house and I should, and I should go out and I should buy these things. Well, is that actually a priority for you against all of the other things you could spend your money on or spend your life on? But it's easy even though it's just like these simple things for me anyway, yeah. to have compared myself with others or what they're choosing to do with their time or what they're choosing to do with their life or their summers or their weekends or their professional careers, rather than just going like, Hey, what do, what do I want? And what kind of story do I want to live and leave to my kids and my story I guess I just mean life you know what kind of yeah. life are you living and like I I really do believe our lives are stories and you know it's kind of like you've probably heard that analogy of like you know the tombstone like you have your birth date and you have the day you die yeah. like what are you going to do with the dash yeah yeah and but I really do think like a lot of that you know our lives are that dash and like what are what are we doing how are yeah. we living then so what 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 has your story been about then, right? Because I, well, first of all, I resonate so much with what you're saying because I um, I think it's so easy to jump into this idea of let's live the life that we feel externally other people should be living, right? Like based off external, based off of external expectations, this is the way I, sh this is how my life should be. Talk to me about for you as you've undergone this journey of, um, Putting, pulling off those expectations, getting more in tune with what 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 way of living actually is going to provide value and meaning to your life. What does that look like for you? Well, most recently, it has looked like just a few months ago, I left a great job that I loved. Yeah. I was Dave Ramsey's speechwriter, and I was working for his team of personalities. And it was a job that I had wanted to have since I had gone through his course in 2009. And I started there 10 years later in 2019. Um and it was a great job. How do you land and that job? How do you, I can't imagine yeah, I mean, does Indeed well, you, just have like open open position, Dave Ramsey speechwriter. Like how do you yeah, land that I mean, job? I had actually been for you know, I had um for years been like checking their board, you know, for just job positions. And I'd even applied to a few along the way. And then I saw it posted and when I, I was like, I feel like I wrote this job description. But at the time <laughs> I was pregnant with my third, and I I told my husband, I said, who applies for a job when they're pregnant? And my husband goes, you do. And I was like, I do. Um, and so, but oh, I your husband's the be, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to be there for so long that it was, I think sometimes in our lives, like we can get, we can get kind of almost like stuck and like, we're, we're still living out a, an older dream instead of looking for the new one. But mm -hmm. so a few months ago, I decided it's time to quit my job and start my own business. Wow. And I, that was a really big step for me. I'd had the passion and the idea since my mid to late twenties. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I had a very bizarre childhood. We don't need to go into um, <laughs> of making and selling wooden weapons at Renaissance festivals. That's what my, oh my goodness. So I my really want to go there been, either. You yeah, I mean, just, that's oh. this, it's a lot of therapy sessions. I know you are, <laughs> you know, in that field, but we can talk about that offline, but all that to say, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. And so you know, I'd always kind of had that little like burning, you know, maybe it's like that bucking authority. I want to be my own boss, do yeah, my own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, 
you know, there's a kind of like that expression, like my husband says, I say it wrong and maybe I do, but it's like, um, big cat, no cattle, you know, it's like that, yeah, that expression yeah, of like yeah. the person that always talks about all of those things they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized, you know, a year or two ago that I had spent a lot of my thirties, a lot of my twenties and thirties, just doing those things that I kind of was like t- talking about all the things I was going to do. Like, Oh, I'm yeah. going to start a podcast. Oh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to yeah. quit my job and start a business. Like, Oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this thing. And I would talk about them endlessly but I didn't have a lot of action yeah. to match what yeah. I said was important. Yeah. To me. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, realizing that my work-life balance wasn't as, I wasn't as intentional as I could want to be with my kids yeah. um, because of just the amount of hours I was at work. And, and I knew that going into that position, that it was in, in the office position. So it wasn't been anything had changed there. And I loved um, working there, but realizing like, Hey, what I'm saying the kind of life I want to live in terms of the amount of time I'm spending with my family and the kind of depth of friendships I had, which to be honest, is not the depth that I want it to be. Yeah. Um, and even just kind of like the kind of work I wanted to do, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. I was talking about all the things I was going to do someday. Yeah. And I wasn't actually living the life and the story that I wanted to be living. Yeah. And so a few months ago I went for it and I quit my job. And I've started my own business. I need to do public speech coaching right now. And, you know, full confession, I'm still trying to figure out what all I do and what I don't do. And starting a business is a lot of work. You know, some people on on LinkedIn, that's, you know, where you and I met, a lot of people make it look like you can make seven figures in seven minutes if you just buy their program and follow their plan. Yep. Maybe it hasn't worked for me because I haven't bought their program yet. I don't know. (laughs) But, um, you know, it, it has been really hard, but there's this level of like, I'm just feel so proud of myself now every day in a way that I hadn't. It's almost like reawaken this creativity and this inspiration that I think that I had just kind of gotten pushed down by a lot of those expectations of, uh, from other people yeah. um, along the way. Um, a question for you on this. Has your mm-hmm. level of discomfort that you've been exposed to increased as you've jumped oh, into this process? Yes. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes I'm like, why did I, why did I choose this? You know, yeah. in some ways it's choose your hard because, you know, it's hard to work for somebody because somebody's telling you what to do all the time. Yeah hard to work for yourself because what ha- what do you do when the boss sucks some days my boss is awful and, then I'm like, and it's me um, and so, like you can't you can't yeah. do feedback it's that's hard to schedule feedback meetings with your boss when that right. Happens, right it's yeah. like i need a one-on-one with my boss and tell her some things you know like i quit wait i can't um no but but to answer your question on the discomfort yeah but i do think a lot of it is is choose your hard like, yeah. um, and that's not just like entrepreneurship. I think that's for a lot of things. I think we, it, it will always be easier to do the thing that's comfortable. Yeah. Change is hard. Yeah. Change is hard. Well, well and I, I talked, it's one thing that co- always keeps coming back up with my work with my clients is we have this conversation of, you said, choose your hard. Um, the, what we always, how we always phrase it is pick your pain, right? In life. Oh, I like that. In life, steal that. You should be hey, a writer when you grow up. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'll I'll hire you to be my speak my speech coach. Um, I uh, and we talk about this idea of man, we're so wired to try and avoid pain, but we can't, and we have to either we had life is about picking it. And what I'm hearing from you is you're in this spot where you had to pick your pain. You could either say, I could either pick the pain of jumping into all this discomfort, 
and failure and setbacks and feeling embarrassed and not knowing what to do and all this challenge. Or I could pick the pain of taking, of just staying where I'm at. And short term, that's a lot less discomfort, but the pain of the long term of having to say, but in five years from now, I'm going to be in the same spot. Yeah, right. exactly. Like, and, and it's like, which pain would you rather have, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think it's hard sometimes when you do decide to take that risk and jump, whatever that risk or jumping is, you know, for anyone listening, I think that it's, it's hard because you don't know if it's going to be successful to your point. Like it might actually be worse. And I, I have a bad habit of, you know, romanticizing how things used to be, you know, mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, when my, like when your kids are really little, like really little, yeah. and you're just like losing your mind because you have no sleep and there's smashed <laughs> Cheerios everywhere and all the things you just think like, Oh, yeah. and they're a little bit older. And then as soon as they're a little bit older, you're like, Oh, I remember when they were so little, yeah. <laughs> like you can like romanticize. It's like, well, the day in and day out, it wasn't, you know, you were just kind of waiting for the next thing. Yeah. Um, yes, so yeah. I think so much of it is just leaning into the present, which is really, really hard for me. Like, I don't know if you do the Enneagram at all. I'm in the Enneagram seven. So I'm always that forward focused and that yeah. excited. What's yeah. Yeah. Next. yeah. 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 It's yeah. really hard for me to just be in the moment and present with gratitude of like, Hey, this is where my life is right now. And it's not, it's not where I want it to be yet, but we're going to lean in and just, you know, embrace that discomfort and that change and that challenge. And, yeah. and remember that someday these will be the good old days. Yeah. Or maybe they won't be the good old days. And we'll reflect back and be like, I can't believe I made it through that. One or the other. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so it has, has working on presence been so important in this part of your journey, just being willing, being able to just come back to the present moment with whatever you're doing right now. I think so. And, you know, I mean, it's an area that I struggle with. I mean, you could probably counsel me through it. Like I still, you know, my tech boundaries aren't great. I spend way too much time, you know, scrolling on LinkedIn and yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, everything else, but yeah, really trying to be more present because I think that's a lot of a life well lived is, is learning to actually live your life and be in the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. like be in the moment of the things that you worked so hard to achieve. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think there's a lot of room for that. So we're, you, when we started this interview, you said, I think we, my message is that my thing that I'd love to share is learn to live your story and learn, and learn to tell your story. Yes. And right now we've been focusing a lot on learning how to live your story and, and making peace with the pain and the discomfort that comes of we're jumping in now and we don't have all the answers and our brain will always give us a million reasons why we shouldn't start now. Right. Our brain will always, our brain will always tell us like, let's try this next year. Let's try this in 10, five years from now. Right. And so that's so important. Tell me, and I'm really excited to hear your take on this. Tell me about what you've learned about telling your story. Because that's yeah. the second part of this. Yeah. So telling your story, I mean, I'm passionate about storytelling. Um, and a lot of, you know, the, the precipice for starting my own business. So I had an experience in my late 20s. And at that season of my life, I was a, a radio pro, or I was a senior producer for a radio program. And so it was a nationally syndicated show and I would interview people, um, mainly on books. It was a lot of authors and I would interview authors on their books, pre-interviews to just see if they'd be a good fit for my program. Yeah. So yeah. I would, you know, interview people and if they were good, I would get them booked and scheduled and, and yeah. move on. Yeah. Well, I kept having this experience over and over again, where I would do a pre-interview with someone who had gotten a book deal with the mainline publisher, which is not easy to do. No, you know, it's not, not easy, easy to, to do at all. Mainline publishers, like yeah. it's a lot of work and a hustle and you have to be a good writer and you have to, you know, all the things. Totally. And 
you know, I would do these pre-interviews with these authors and they couldn't talk about their story at all. They had written it down, but they weren't engaging. They couldn't, they couldn't tell the stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that experience was like, I was like, someday I'm going to start a business and help, you know, I was going to name it from book to mic and I was going to help authors share their stories, um, you know, like on the stage or on platforms. Um, I did not call my business that it's called the speak shop, but I just have such a passion for storytelling because I think throughout history from the beginning of time, you know, oral history and telling our stories is how we create and shape cultures. And it's so important for every single person to be able to share their story and like, okay, that sounds great. What do you mean by that? So like on a practical level, you know, I think a lot of times like public speaking specifically, because that's a huge passion point of mine and public speaking, you know, it's not just don't think of public speaking just as these big stages, you know, like I'm filling an arena. I mean, this can be in your one-on-one meetings. It can be in a small group at work. Um, you know, you're presenting your ideas to, or it can be maybe you're in a, you know, a group at your church or another faith-based community or um, just community group, but really learning how to tell story, your story and the stories that happen to people, you know, in an engaging way. And a lot of times what we do when we tell our stories is we, the two big mistakes people make is they either tell their story really linear a happened and then B happened and then C yeah. happened. Yeah. D happened. You know, it's like yeah. people are like, tell me a little bit about you when you start when, where you're born, even though you don't remember being born. Yeah. Um, instead <laughs> of, you know, if you go to a movie, you sit in the movie theater and it jumps right in to the middle of the action and then it'll backtrack and fill in the important details. So uh. a lot of good storytelling just gets to where do you start your story? And sometimes the best place to start is at the beginning. Sometimes it's at the end and you loop back. And sometimes I think a lot of the time it's just diving right in to that, to the middle of that. And even just learning how to tell better stories, like start practicing now at dinner parties or when you have friends over and just start getting in like little reps. Um, And then the other thing I think that happens when you tell our stories, the other mistake people make is we tell our stories very factually. We tell the things that happened, the facts of what happened, Yeah, but we don't enter into that moment and, and go, okay, but how did, what did I think when that happened? And how did I feel when that happened? Uh. Um, and so quick example, I know, um, let's put, can I put you on the spot? Can yeah, I turn please. The in fact, I was just thinking as you're like, I'm like, I'm just oh, going to nervous con- now. I'm getting free consulting right now. Cause I literally, that is what I do. Both of those, both those things you said, that's what I do. Someone says like, tell me about yourself. And I always start with like, um, well, I'm from Texas and, you know, like I just like start from the <laughs> yeah, beginning. Exactly. And so like, um, this is so great. We'll, we'll try this real time. And you know, the great thing about podcasts, if this doesn't work, you can just edit it out. Just we can edit it out and no one will ever know. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned to me that you have kids. Yeah. Okay. So just, just tell me about the birth of one of your kids. Uh, okay. Um, I'll go with both births were really different. I'll go with my second one. Um, my wife, we were planning on going to the hospital and uh, I'm just going to go. You just interrupt me and coach yeah, me whenever. You go. Whenever. And you uh, try to go for a minute or two and just give me, yeah, the snapshot of what, give what the happened. snapshot of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we were getting ready to go to the hospital. We woke up at like 4 a.m. and my wife's contractions were starting. They're about like five minutes apart. And so I'm getting packed up, calling my mother-in-law saying, hey, can you come and watch our youngest or our oldest, right? When we go to the hospital. 
And about 30 minutes in, my wife looks at me and she goes, we're not making it to the hospital. And we realize, and I'm like trying to convince her like, hey, we can make it, we can do it. And <laughs> you're like, I'm we like, must make it. <laughs> yeah, we must. Like, this is not an option here. And uh, she's like, we're not, we're not making it. And she, no, we finally, I was like, okay, like we're doing this. I'm not going to like force it. Like I got to be on her team here. I got to be on her side. Right. And I got, and so we had our baby there at home and I delivered my second son, which is crazy, but that's, that was the birth of our second son right there. Okay. So great story. I mean, you, you could go on for days and write a whole book about, you know, just the craziness of having a home birth when you're not expecting one. Yes, I've never yes. had a home birth. Didn't want one. I, I, I have so many friends that haven't. It's a beautiful, wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah totally. Amazing. I'm really, I'm really glad I had drugs at the hospital, but okay. <laughs> so let's just take your story. So okay. you did a really good job giving me both a linear. You did the two things I said that people do all the time. You both gave the linear yeah. thing that happened yes. and you gave the facts. Yes. You know, like 4 a.m. And then it was like the progression and then you get the facts. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So what if just this is, you know, if you could wanted to make your story more interesting, first of all, we didn't, we don't know your wife's name or your son's name. So that's kind of a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, but what if you opened it a little bit more with vivid imagery in the middle and saying, I'll never forget it's 4 37 a.m. on what day was your son born? What was his birthday? Uh, October 22nd. Okay, so 4.37 a.m., October 22nd, what year? Uh, 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah. In the midst of one of the craziest years of our life. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's 4.37 a.m. And my, my wife named, what's your wife's name? Michelle. Michelle. My wife of however many years, Michelle, um, the most strong, courageous, beautiful woman I know, yeah. turns to me and she goes, we're not going to make it to the hospital. We're going to have this baby in this living room right here, right now. And I remember thinking, then whatever you're thinking, yeah. I remember thinking panicked. I have no idea what I'm doing. You yeah. know, my mother-in-law was supposed to be there. She's not even there. Like I'm all by myself, or maybe she was already there. Like yeah. I remember thinking, um, you know, this and this and this and this, but I also remember thinking it's go time. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> and then your, your son is delivered and then, and then describe that moment and like when my son, what's your son's name? Uh, Par. Par. Okay. When my son Par comes out at, you know, give a few of those details. Women love the details, especially at seven pounds, 10 ounces or 10 pound yeah. baby or three pound baby or what, you know, like whatever the, uh, you know, and he comes Did out. Did I lie? Like I'm fishing? Like should I say it's like a 15 pound <laughs> yeah. baby? Should the 15 pound baby at home delivered without drugs. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's your story and you lived it. So we will believe whatever you say. Um, but, but, you know, when my, when my son Parr came out, I remember feeling such a sense of gratitude, not only because it had been a safe delivery, but yeah. like, I gotta be a dad again. Yeah. You know, or yeah. I mean, this yeah. is just me, you know, riffing for a minute, not knowing yeah. all the details of your story same story, but thinking, pulling in that thinking and that feeling, and maybe just starting it somewhere, somewhere else. Um, and maybe even sometimes the even good storytelling, the entry point, you know, yeah. so maybe it's 437 when your wife says, maybe it's like, as you're, as your wife is starting to push and you're panicking, or maybe it's at the end, you know, so sometimes it's just when it comes to telling our stories, taking just one brief moment, a snapshot of our lives, one experience we had, and just writing, writing, start by writing it out linear, what yeah. happened, 
Um, and then look at what you've written and go, okay, what did I think when that happened? What did I feel when that happened? And hmm. where would be the most interesting part to start the story for who I'm talking to. So the way that you regale that story you just shared with me yeah. at a dinner party with your friends would probably be wildly funny and a little bit different than if you were maybe sharing it with your in-laws, not knowing your in-laws <laughs> or with your grandma or with, you know, if you were sharing it at work, um, which yeah. I'm sure you've shared it in all of those environments. So yeah. a lot of, you know, good public speaking or storytelling is that element of knowing your audience yeah. And what details and what things would be interesting to them. And that can also help you determine the entry point of your story and how you tell this story. But we're all living these stories and these experiences every single day. And a lot of times we just don't do a lot of reflection of, you know, and, and really thinking through the way that we're telling them. This is so cool. I want, can we back up here? Cause I'm all about frameworks. Yeah. I love frameworks. And yes, what we're talking absolutely. about, you literally just gave my listeners like, a free like speak shop cons consultation. Well, good, good. I could do this all day, which is yeah. why I do this all day. Which is why you do it all day. Yeah, perfect. So let me just back up for a second, make sure I got it. Because my question literally right before you answered it was, okay, how do I do what you just said though? Like what you just said, you just yes. completely amplified my story like a thousand times. Like how do you do it? And so the framework here I'm hearing is, okay, write your story out linearly, get the facts down and then start getting into think and feel were well, those the two things you said. Yeah, what I think, think what did feel. I feel? Think and feel. Yes. And then the third, once you nail that down, then the third is okay. Now, who's my audience? Who's my audience here? And which which of my thinking, which of my feeling, would they resonate the most with? And that's what I highlight as I go through. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then a piece of it too on storytelling is it's this weird phenomenon we all experience this all the time, where it's the balance of details. You need enough details to bring the story to life. But sometimes we share too many details that don't matter that drive our story forward. Yeah. So like the in, when you were just recapping, depending on who you're sharing to, the fact that your mother-in-law was going to be coming and lived 30 minutes away, maybe that's relevant, maybe it's not. Yeah. Your mother-in-law kind of dropped it off in your story. So I don't know, was, did she end up being there? She ended up being she, there. Yeah, she ended up being there. She did yeah, end up yeah, being yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, so, so, oh, so yes, exactly. Take one story, one snapshot, one experience, write it out linear. Then yeah. go through on another round and go, hey, what did I think when when this happened? Okay, yeah. another round through, what did I feel when this happened? Yeah. Okay, and then who is who am I sharing this story with? Is it in writing? Is it on LinkedIn? Is it at work? Is it, you know, who who is the audience? And then it's always good to do that, that kind of check of going, um, am I starting my story at the right spot? Yeah. And yeah. then do I have details in here that don't really drive the story forward? And then- I didn't include this one, but what is the point of the story? Why am I sharing this story? Sometimes yeah. we share our stories just to share our stories, but especially like in a public speaking, any single story you share should have a point to it and yeah. drive the rest of your topic forward. So it's not just telling a story for the sake of telling a story like you would at a dinner party. But if you're giving, if you were giving a presentation, just making sure that that talk and that, or that story within the talk actually has a point. Man. Um, that ties in. So like, so you just told me that, um, you just told me that story. So what would it look like if you just did one little bit of like, think of Aesop's fables, what would be that bottom line message that you're giving? So like, let's say you are sharing this story and I, you know, gave birth and my son was amazing. I felt this and I thought this and, yeah. and what that really taught me is that life 
is full of unexpected situations, but we can all rise up to the challenge. If I can do it, I know you can do it. Well, then that makes like, that pulls me in because you just yeah, get the point totally. of telling that story. But maybe your point of that story is what that story taught me is head to the hospital before you have that <laughs> contraction. So like having the point of the story, it's going to change based on, on who your audience is. So like, maybe you're, you're giving it to you like your buddies and like, maybe the point of the story is like, you should have mimosas on hand or something <laughs> like that, you know, or like always, you know, like, Hey, advice for dads. So like, again, just like making sure your story has a point because that really helps, you know, not only yeah. bring your story to life, but makes it applicable for the audience of like, what's in it for them. It's not just hearing you, but it's knowing how to apply your story to their lives so that they can live a better story. Well, and, and too, I remember one of your posts recently talked about how, you know, if you're, if you're trying to use your story to inspire action, then you also want to make sure that action's really clear. You don't want to leave that mm -hmm. You don't want to leave that up to chance, right? That that the listener will just know exactly what the action is. And so I think that's super important too. That that really resonated with me because I have a tendency to just assume that people will get exactly what I'm trying to get out of my story, right? Yeah, that was exactly. And it's even true. I mean, it's I've been talking about public speaking, but it's also true even for like writing, say on like LinkedIn, what do you want people to do with what they've just read? You know, like, yes. do you have a point or a call to action within it? So yeah. it's it translates from not just public speaking oratory, but like if you're a guest on a podcast or if you're writing on LinkedIn or writing something else as well, but just learning how to kind of just bring that closure to the stories that you tell. But, well, you know, to tell good stories, you need to live a good life. So, I mean, you know, not everybody wants to have a baby in their living room, but you can, you can teach us all about that. <laughs> it'd be a weird thing. It'd be a weird goal to make for next year, right? Like 2023 goals, have a baby in the living room. And yeah, it'd be, it'd be a little weird. Um, but I, Eva, talk to us a little bit about, um, by the way, listeners, if you listen to this, do yourself a favor and rewind the last and listen to the last 10 minutes again. Like that was so helpful. So awesome. And I'm curious, Eva, as we're wrapping up, what, what kind of clients do you work with? If someone wanted to work with you and get more of your content and get more of your, of your help, what kind of clients do you work with? How can they find you? We just take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about, about what you're doing. Yes. So I am very active on LinkedIn. I try to post every Monday through Friday, just about public speaking related tips. I do post a fair amount about storytelling because I love it so much and humor and integration. And then I, uh, as we were discussing the earlier part, I post about entrepreneurship and sometimes, you know, life as a mom of four. And so LinkedIn right now is really the best way to find me. And in terms of, you know, clients, I work with a wide range of people. I would say most of my clients tend to be people that are already fairly comfortable and confident with public speaking. They're already getting speaking gigs or they're high level up at their company. And I really feel that I take people a lot from that, that good to great. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have never received feedback. So a lot of what I provide is just helping guiding through some of that feedback of, Hey, you need more humor at the 17 minute mark or let's what we were just doing. Yeah. Hey, let's, yes. let's reframe your story of where you're starting or how we're sharing it. And so I really do, I work with, you know, leaders and speakers and authors and kind of have a gamut, but most of, most of the people I work with really are already out there. They're doing the thing. They're speaking regularly to their team or on stages. And I really help them both craft their content and then deliver it with, in a compelling way. That's so awesome. 
Um, Eva, can I just say this has been such a cool treat for me out of all the content I follow on LinkedIn, as far as just like practical, so helpful, like your content is, has been, has made such a difference in my own journey as I've started. We were kind of talking before we started recording. I just started my journey with this, um, starting building this podcast, building, doing things I'm working on this year. And your content has been so helpful with that. There are things, my last, my last presentation, I'm like, I was going to the presentation. I was literally running through stuff that I've read about what Eva has said. I'm like, okay, do this and then make sure I do that. And then do like, and it just is so helpful. So thank you for putting such good content out there, Eva. Well, you're welcome. And thanks for all of the value you bring to LinkedIn as well. And then now, you know, at your next presentation, when you share that story, Hey, pulling those, you know, feelings and, and, and what you thought, because yeah. I mean, you can milk that story for days. The great thing about having a baby in your living room, you can tell that story in a hundred different ways, a <laughs> hundred different points for a hundred different audiences. Yes. No, your, that... poor, your poor son will be like, I know, let's stop telling the story by the time he's, you know, 10 or 11. Yeah, exactly. He's like 15. He's like, I'm so tired of hearing this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, Eva, such a joy to have you on. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everyday Impact. If this show is making a difference in your life, then it would mean the world for you to to subscribe, to leave a rating and a review, as well as to share the, the show with someone else in your life. As well, if you're interested in checking out my Find Your Values virtual workshop, you can check out the link in the show notes or you can visit therapywithmichaelanderson.com.